Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. And today we're going to be talking about signs of a healthy relationship. So whether you're in a relationship now and wondering if it's really healthy and Christ-centered or looking ahead to the future and wanting to know how to make sure your future relationship is really God-honoring, we're going to get into the practical side of that today. I wanted to remind you that now is a great time to register for our 2021 Set Apart Conference, which is happening June 4th through 6th, 2021. You can join us at Ellerslie here in Colorado, or stream it anywhere you are in the world via simulcast. And this is a great time to register because you can get the best prices of the year from now through December 23rd in the holiday specials at our online store at setapartgirl.com. So just go to the website and click on the banner that talks about holiday specials, and you'll learn all about that. Plus, you'll see a lot of other great Christ-centered resources and gift ideas at great prices for the women in your life this season. So let's dive into signs of a healthy relationship. There are a lot of cultural ideas about what makes a relationship healthy. A lot of times you'll hear about being open and authentic and honest with the other person or really trusting the other person or having good communication in your relationship. But far beyond those human aspects of a relationship, there really needs to be a strong spiritual foundation for a relationship to thrive and go the distance. And one of the best pieces of advice I ever heard before Eric and I were married was that the spiritual foundation in a relationship is far more important than the emotional and the physical. And so often in our culture, Culture, we try to go backwards with that. We we get a, com- a connection with somebody, whether that's an emotional or a physical attraction or an emotional connection, and then we try to add the spiritual side into that. But usually, emotions and physical attraction can so quickly overrule a spiritual foundation unless we lay that foundation ahead of time. So, in this episode, I'd like to share with you some of the most important biblical keys to a truly healthy and Christ honoring pre-marriage relationship. And you can actually apply these principles in your life even during your single years. You don't have to currently be in a relationship to begin to apply these things, which is so beautiful. The first key is to make Christ your first love. Now, this one may be reviewed for you if you followed this podcast for a while, because it's one of those principles that I'm constantly referring back to. And that's because it is absolutely crucial for both our single years and our married years. When we're single, we so often believe that we'll only be happy once we meet Prince Charming, once we find the guy and get the proposal and walk down the aisle and settle down in our little house with the white picket fence. I know for me, I really struggled with that mindset during my single years. And I honestly can't count the number of single women who I've met who build their entire lives, their thoughts, their emotions, their actions around the pursuit of a guy instead of the pursuit of Jesus Christ. The mindset is that, okay, I'm single. And once I find a husband, that's when I'll find the inner peace and fulfillment that I'm longing for. But we overlook the fact that Jesus Christ alone can meet the deepest needs, longings, and desires of our heart. So as women, it's tempting to both idolize and idealize marriage hopes and dreams, but that's dangerous because it keeps us from finding the perfect satisfaction in Jesus Christ that he intends us to have. If we expect marriage to solve the deepest needs within our soul, we'll only be placing unhealthy, 
unrealistic expectations upon our future husband in harming our marriage in the process. Think about that. If you are the kind of woman who puts your happiness on hold until you finally meet the right guy, settle down and get married, then what happens when that guy is not perfect 100% of the time? Your hopes, your dreams, your expectations are all wrapped up in this other human person who is certainly going to fail at times. And so we have to be putting our deepest hopes, dreams, and satisfactions into the right source, which is Jesus Christ. When we are in a relationship with Christ, we actually have everything that we need for happiness right now, whether we are single or married. As Corey Ten Boom wrote, marriage is not the answer to unhappiness. Happiness can only be found in a balanced relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. When you belong to Christ, you can be happy with or without a husband, secure in Christ alone. And I really believe that is so true. Of course, God puts a high value on marriage. And of course, marriage does bring happiness and joy into our lives. So this is not to downplay the importance or the sacredness of marriage. Marriage was God's idea in the first place. And the majority of us are called to be married. There is certainly nothing wrong with desiring to be married, preparing for marriage, or taking steps towards a romantic relationship with someone as God leads. The problem comes when we place our marriage dreams on a pedestal putting contentment on hold until that season of life finally comes. Or if we're married already, it's often tempting to cling tighter to our husbands and our children than we do to Jesus Christ. God calls us to love our husbands and children, but he calls us to love Jesus Christ even more, as it says in Luke 14, 26. So if marriage or the hope of marriage and family have claimed more of your affection than Jesus Christ, ask God to change your heart. Take a moment to remember where your deepest source of fulfillment is truly found in Him. And even if you are called to a lifetime of singleness, you can still experience the greatest love story of all time, which is a beautiful daily relationship with your heavenly bridegroom. So make Christ your first love. And if you are in a relationship currently where Christ is not your first love, where you are looking to that other person to meet needs in your heart that only Christ can meet, if you are looking to that other person for your happiness, that's a sign that this relationship has taken an unhealthy hold on your heart. And either you need to shift your focus and your source of affection primarily to Jesus Christ, or take a step back from the relationship until you know that Jesus is in his rightful place in your life. Because like I said earlier, if you are not making Christ your your first love, you are only going to be dragging this relationship down because you'll put unhealthy expectations on the other person. The second key to a healthy relationship is to choose surrender over selfishness. With the popularity of internet dating and matchmaking shows, our culture's focus on finding that person, finding that special someone has grown stronger than ever before. And there's a lot of pressure on single women to find the guy, you know, do whatever you can to find this guy. And there's a lot of confusion and debate on how Christian singles should go about finding a romantic relationship. And a lot of the confusion comes from the amazing pressure that single people feel. Here's a sampling of some of the hot relational issues swirling around our churches these days. One question is, is internet dating okay? After all, God can't steer a parked car, can he? We need to be proactive in finding a spouse. 
Or why shouldn't women pursue men? Guys need a healthy nudge every now and then, so a girl needs to drop a few hints. Or what's so wrong with dating around? Isn't that how you find the right person? How will you ever discover what kind of person you're compatible with unless you play the field? Or is it really such a bad thing for a Christian to get romantically involved with a non-believer? I mean, that may be the only way the other person will ever hear the gospel. So chances are, if you are in those single years of life, you've either thought these questions or heard them posed in Christian circles. I really believe that all these questions expose a deeper root in our Christian culture today, placing personal happiness above God's glory. Now, don't get me wrong. Just because someone desires to be married does not automatically mean that he or she is being selfish because the desire for a human love story was given to us by God. But when the pursuit of our own happiness becomes a higher priority than surrendering our lives to God and trusting Him with every detail of our lives, that's when we know we're missing the mark. Most of the common debates about how Christians should date and go after relationships center on a mentality that says, how can I pursue my own desires and get what I want and still remain on God's good side? It reminds me of that popular discussion from my youth group days, how far is too far? As Christian teenagers, we always wanted to know how much pleasure we could get away with and still call ourselves Christians. We should have been asking an entirely different question. How far can I possibly go to please God in this area of my life? Having that mindset would have immediately cleared up our confusion about how to conduct ourselves in romantic relationships. But we want to have it our way, so we're constantly justifying, playing with compromise, and coming up with elaborate justifications as to why our behavior is acceptable in God's eyes. That's sort of the typical youth group mentality. And to be honest, not a lot has changed since then in the church. Entire books have been written that provide today's Christians with spiritual sounding reasons for why surrendering our love lives to Christ is unnecessary and legalistic and why we should be free to pursue relationships the same way as the rest of the world within reasonable moral boundaries, of course. But once upon a time, Christian men and women understood what it meant to lay down everything for the sake of Christ, including their desires for marriage and family. Like Abraham surrendering Isaac, they willingly laid their most sacred and priceless blessings upon the altar before God. They realized that if he desired them to be married, he would make it clear in his own perfect time and way. But he always needs to come first, and he must be implicitly trusted. Throughout Christian history and in recent decades and ages past, men and women entrusted their romantic desires to Him, declaring that obedience and surrender to God was of far greater importance than their own personal desires. For some, like Amy Carmichael and Gladys Aylward and John Hyde, this commitment meant giving up marriage completely in order to serve Christ without distraction. For others, it meant stepping into marriage for the glory of God, not merely for their own satisfaction and fulfillment. Jim and Elizabeth Elliot, Oswald and Biddy Chambers, Richard and Sabina Wormbrandt, Reese and Elizabeth Howells, these are just a few examples of couples who chose to put the glory of God above the pursuit of personal happiness. This is something that Elizabeth Elliot wrote in one of her books. A man's love for a woman ought to hold her to the highest. Her love for him ought to do the same. I did not want to turn Jim aside from the call of God to distract his energies or to in any way stand between him and surrender. This was what I understood real love to mean. Purity comes at a high price. Sometimes the sacrifice makes little sense to others, but when offered to him, it is always accepted. 
Now that's a tough statement. And it is so different from the attitude that says, just do what makes you happy that we've gotten accustomed to today in the church. Most of the common questions that swirl around modern Christian relationships are automatically answered when we focus on the glory of God and not our own selfish whims. No matter how our selfish fleshly side feels about it, laying everything on the altar before our King and allowing Him to do with our lives whatever He sees fit is where true Christianity begins, and it's where true success in Christian relationships begins as well. Our desire for marriage is no exception, so let's not fall for ear-tickling messages that require less than absolute surrender and abandonment to the one who gave his very life for us. He took up his cross, and he asks us to do the same. Never forget that on the other side of surrender, we will find the greatest joy. The next key to a healthy relationship is to receive God's restoration. And this is so critical because so many of us are hindered by the past. It's so easy to think we're disqualified from a Christ-centered love story because we've made mistakes in our past. And this was certainly true in my own life. By the time I caught a vision for the beauty that was possible with a Christ-centered love story, I honestly felt like it was too late for me to ever experience it. I technically kept an abstinence commitment all through my teen years, but purity had been forsaken long ago. I had allowed the treasure of my heart, emotions, and even my body to be trampled time and time again, to be thrown away carelessly, and I felt very unworthy of a Godwin love story. But I began to see, as I abided in Christ and dug into His Word, I began to see that if I was willing to repent and receive His forgiveness, I could be set free from all of the baggage of the past. I could be cleansed from all the impurity that I'd allowed into my life, and I could experience the fullness of a pure God-scripted love story through the power of His His redemption. That seemed almost too, too good to be true, but it was exactly what Jesus promised. God-scripted love stories are not just for those who have never compromised. In fact, the reason Christ sacrificed everything for us was to offer us the chance to be restored, washed clean, and given a hope and a future, as it says in Luke 5.32. If you feel like you've, quote, gone too far in your past to experience a truly pure and beautiful God-scripted love story, I want to assure you that it is never too late to be restored and made new by His amazing and cleansing blood. Repentance actually means turning and walking the other direction by God's grace. So once you awaken to the fact that you're heading over a cliff, you can stop, turn, ask God's forgiveness, be cleansed by his blood, and then by his grace, head in the other direction. There is no reason to look back or second guess your position as his child. You should not expect a second rate version of romance. Once you've been restored by him, you are clothed in his righteousness and you are entitled to all the benefits of his amazing kingdom. Your forgiveness is complete in him and your sin has been removed from you as far away from the east is from the west. It is finished. So don't try to add to God's sacrifice by improving yourself before you fall at his feet in repentance. Simply come to him in all of your sin and weakness and let him wash you clean and make you completely new. Don't focus on your own unworthiness. Fix your eyes on the awesome power of his conquering, redeeming, transforming blood shed on your behalf. And then you can watch and wonder as he renews and restores and redeems this area of your life. He gives us beauty for ashes and peace for 
or despair, as it says in Isaiah 61.3. So we've talked about surrender. We've talked about receiving his restoration. We've talked about putting his glory above our own selfish desires. These are the spiritual keys that hallmark a healthy relationship. All of the other things, communication skills and being open and honest and all the things that the world says, you have to have this to have a healthy relationship, will fall into place when this spiritual foundation is in place, when Jesus has that number one position. Beautiful God-scripted love stories are possible today in this world, in everyday life, even though the world is full of heartbreak and disillusionment. But it all begins with that decision to take up our cross and follow Jesus, even when the path is difficult. And whether he allows us to experience a human love story or not, every act of surrender and every step of obedience that we take for his sake will be completely worth it because he is worthy. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into what it means to build a Christ-centered relationship, visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there on living a Christ-centered life. In the section on the article collection, you can click on the relationships box and you will see loads of articles that take these principles even further. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.